Welcome to Museum Archipelago. I'm Ian Elsner. Museum Archipelago guides you through the rocky landscape of museums. Each episode is never longer than 15 minutes. So let's get started. It turns out that in order to launch a museum, it's a, it's a long, complicated, expensive process. Who knew? <laughs> this is Joe Galliano one of the co-founders of the Queer Britain Museum. Hello, my name's Joe Galliano. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Queer Britain, the national LGBTQ plus museum for the UK. Galliano came up with the idea for a national LGBTQ plus museum in 2017, during the 50th anniversary of the partial decriminalization of homosexual acts in the UK, an anniversary commemorated by cultural and heritage institutions across the country. I felt slightly conflicted. It's an anniversary that was focused around men. It's an anniversary that was focused around criminality and victimhood and some of the sort of fairly familiar tropes that we get rolled out when we start talking about, when we start talking about gay men, um, largely. And it's also, it's not very inclusive. You know, we're, we're, we're living in a world, thankfully, where there's a rich and wildly diverse set of uh, sexualities and gender identities. And it, it left me slightly sad. And also the fact that it was, it, it, it was very much hung on an anniversary. Um, and I didn't want to, I didn't want to wait another 50 years before there was something major happening again. And I wanted to make sure that we uh, built on the momentum that was being gathered around that anniversary, and that it didn't just fizzle away, that it turns into something with real lasting value. The emphasis on an anniversary of legislation could have come from the context of a long history of formal legal repression of male homosexuality in the UK, going all the way back to the Buggery Act of 1533. So we had the, the Buggery Act, which was introduced under, um, under Henry VIII, which was very much around male sexuality, male same-sex attraction, and policing that. And this all kind of stayed on the books in various forms until 1967, really, when it was partially, there was, there was partial decriminalization. Partial decriminalization, the age of consent was set at 21, where it was 16 for everybody else. At that point as well, prosecutions absolutely rocketed. So as, as soon as um, there had been some allowance for people to um, behave naturally, uh, it, was, uh, it, it then became a bigger stick to beat people with. The legislation only focused on male homosexuality, which is, of course, telling. It's interesting that those laws were always about men. Women with same-sex desire were almost rendered invisible uh, in public life and to the law. I think there's also, the, you know, if, if we're talking about that sort of legislation, I think there has been a, um, a prejudice, which is actually a lot of that's about patriarchy, about male views of sexuality and sex, who, who has an active sexuality, who has a passive sexuality. And I think through a large portion of history, women's sexuality was seen as, as in service to male sexuality. And so why would you legislate against that? There are also... Um, some stories that when some of the later bills were brought to uh, Queen Victoria, that they were too embarrassed to actually talk about uh, lesbianism or anything like that. How much truth there is in that, I, I don't know. Of course, the focus of Queer Britain won't be legislation. But as Galliano says, the laws previously on the books 
And the increasing number of violent homophobic and transphobic attacks in the UK today have distorted the country's understanding of itself and tie directly into the mission of the museum. We're talking about a central hub that will be visible globally and within the mainstream that will kind of give a message that here is a, here is a catalytic space that will collect our stories and here's a, here's a, here's a way of helping progress Britain's understanding of itself by giving queer stories their rightful place. And so that means rightful place both within the culture and also a rightful place place that can be, can be their own. The word queer has a complicated history. It was synonymous with strange or weird, and was a common slur thrown at LGBT people. Activists in the 1980s reclaimed the word and used it as an umbrella term for a wide range of sexual orientations and gender identities. Today, queer is an increasingly popular way to identify within the community, but as historical traumas persist and as the word can still be found in hostile environments, it's important to note that not everyone is in agreement. Galliano and the Queer Britain Museum use the term as a proud self-identifier and as an intentional move away from using the word gay and male homosexuality in general as a stand-in for all identities. The plan is for Queer Britain to have a physical space in London, opening sometime in the next few years. Although the UK is full of museums, some of which have queer artifacts and queer stories, Galliano is conscious of how backsliding can happen. In legislation and culture, the laws and norms of today can't guarantee that the future will look the same. Institutions like museums are part of maintaining today's momentum and can give people who have had their stories told by others a chance to narrate their own history. I think there's fantastic movements within the museum communities now to sort of queer those spaces and make sure that they are kind of unearthing those stories and, and seeing how they can weave them through the, the, main, the, the main of the collections. Are they there yet? No. Some places have got further than others. Some aren't doing anything, but, but there's some really, really good work. You know, I'd look at some of the work, say a volunteer like Dan Vo at the VNA, who is conducting a really good museum tours, LGBT museum tours, and is a great volunteer activist. And I think that part of my fear is that much of the movement forward has been, you know, it relies on activist curators and, and really excited volunteers. And it, it, it doesn't take too many people to leave the sector or to move somewhere else. And then that, that's lost. The other thing that I think is really important is that there's such a rich and wildly diverse set of stories to tell that those museums are never going to be able to tell all of those stories. Whereas what we have the ability to do is to create a catalytic space where we can pour all of those stories in and we can keep telling different stories and we can change the exhibitions all the time. And that LGBTQ people can be in control of telling their own stories as well. Whereas actually over history, so often it's been other people who've told our stories. And Galliano is acutely aware that stories are being lost every day. To that end as well, we also have um, a digital filmed oral history project, which we're calling uh, Virtually Queer. And that's about making sure that we've, we've gathered the stories of people who are with us now, who can add their voices into the archive um, and become part of that. Um, and it, it's important, really, that we gather the stories now while, while people can actually 
talk to us. So that's a really strong focus at the moment. Now, in terms of understanding where we're going to be headed with the archive to start with, is that we are designing um, a national survey of um, museums around the country which we're doing the assistance of the National Archives. What we really want to do is kind of just get a, a, a proper sense of what is the nation's holding of material that we would think of as um, LGBT-focused. So that will mean then that it'll give us a steer as to where are the important gaps, how do we fill those gaps, and that's going to kind of give us a sense as to where to, where to focus our collecting activity. When the museum is still an idea, what the word museum means is still flexible. In addition to educational exhibits about queer history and culture, the proposed museum is also a place for people to upload their own stories. And the whole project serves as an antidote to the psychological damage of transphobic and homophobic attacks and oppression. Well, museum's an interesting word, isn't it? Because it comes with all, all sorts of baggage. And actually, we're, we're talking about something very much broader than just a museum in the traditional sense. They inherently show what a culture values. And they're a really good way of being able to understand where we are now, understand how we've got there, and then take that understanding and use them to imagine the best of all possible futures. You know, they ask questions. Who are we? How did we get here? Who do we want to be? Every time, it should be different every time you come to the museum, when, that, when the physical space itself opens. What, what we're looking at is a series of guest curators, an, a rolling series of guest curators, so that each, each time we bring somebody in, you're like, you know, what is the story that you need to tell? What is the story that hasn't been told? What's the material that sits unexplored in other museums' archives that we're able to shine a light on? Sometimes it'll be about the... The blockbuster exhibition, what's the exhibition that's going to be bringing you know, lines around the block? Which of the exhibitions are going to be telling community stories that haven't been told, you know, for example? So it, it could be everything from, and I'm talking off the top of my head right at this moment, but that could be everything from you know, what is uh, Elton John's stage costumes through to what is the queer Bangladeshi experience of Birmingham in the 1950s. Creating a new museum is no small task, but Galliano is ready for the challenge. As he goes through the process of collecting and fundraising, he's also focused on building partnerships. His route to creating a robust institution begins with acknowledging that it's a bigger project than just one person or one identity. There's many challenges that you want to um, look at, and they're all fascinating and exciting to step up to. How do you carry the responsibility to make sure that something that there is such a, a, a need for and such a desire, certainly within the um, LGBTQ plus communities, how do you carry the weight of the responsibility of having said that you're going to do this thing and making sure that you've delivered for those people? You know, I want to create an organization that if I step away from it and that we've got the right, you know, the, the, there's another person that will be able to take over that mantle. And so that the organization isn't about one person, but we've created a robust organization that will be able to deliver fabulously. It's the most exciting thing I've ever worked on because it's the thing I'm most, I've never, I've never worked on something that I feel so passionately is, is important. I've never picked up a project which is as brilliantly challenging 
this in its scale, in the scope, in the scope of the, all the different stakeholders that we need to um, make sure are sort of brought close and are doing the right things, and and that we also keep a laser focus on um, the strategy to make sure that it happens. This episode of Museum Archipelago is brought to you by the Museum Studies Graduate Program at the Corcoran School of the Arts and Design at the George Washington University. With a graduate degree in museum studies, you will be equipped to respond to the evolving museum profession by engaging in hands-on training in the heart of the nation's museum capital. Established in 1976, the program combines academic excellence with access to some of the most celebrated institutions in the world. Thanks to an exceptional faculty of practicing professionals, this pioneering program is ranked among the top museum studies programs in the country. The program's affiliations with more than 60 museums and cultural organizations enable students to immerse themselves in world-class venues as they learn from some of the nation's leading museum professionals. Students can concentrate in three areas, collections management, audiences and interpretation, or museum management. To learn more, visit go.gwu.edu forward slash museum studies. This has been Museum Archipelago. You can find show notes and a full transcript of this episode at museumarchipelago.com. If you liked this episode, you can support the show and get some fun benefits like logo stickers and a bonus podcast feed by joining Club Archipelago on Patreon. Special thanks to Club Archipelago's newest member and host of the excellent Museums in Strange Places podcast, Hannah Hethman. Thanks for listening. And next time, bring a friend.